Our Old Testament lesson, we're going to wrap up our time in Joshua today by reading Joshua chapter 24. We're reading Joshua 24, verses 14 through 28. Joshua 24, 14 through 28. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who has brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the great house of slavery, who did the great signs in all of our sight. He protected us along the way that he went, and among the peoples throughout we passed. And the Lord drove out before us the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he will not forgive the transgression of your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do, do, you, do you harm and consume you after having done good to you. The people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. They said, We are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people on that day and made statutes and ordinances with them at Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of the Lord. And he, turned, he took a large stone and set it under the oak in the sanctuary of the Lord. The Joshua, and Joshua said to all the people, see, this stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard the words of the Lord that he has spoken to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you if you deal falsely with your God. And Joshua sent the people away to their inheritances. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> One of my favorite quotes is by a sports writer by the, by the name of Bob Eufer. Not Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre is the baseball guy. But uh, this is Bob Eufer. He said, college football is a religion. And Saturday is its holy day. And I've, I've thought about that contrasting, uh, you know, just the college football and religion, you know. Like a religion, college football has its cathedrals, you know. Like a religion, college football has its traditions. You go to the Grove and you hear Hotty Toddy. You're going you're gonna to hear Hell State in Starkville. You're going to hear the To the Top in Southern Miss. It has its, its rituals and, and its things like that. And just like, and just like religion, it fills a lot of, lot of our times. And so like, um, I think about how you know, our faith calls us to read and, and, and the seasons of life. You know, like um, we're, getting, we're getting close to Advent. You know, after Advent, we'll enter into Epiphany and then we'll enter into... Um, enter into uh, Lent after that. So, you know, we have our seasons in, in, the, uh, in, in the church year. Well, just like in the same way, college football has its, has its seasons. You know, we're, we're in November where Ole Miss is going to start blowing football games as we do each year. You know, we have our, we have our, our, our rituals and our, 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 our things. But one of, the, one of the, the favorite parts to me of, um, it used to be, it's changed a lot, but of college football was always the recruiting season. 
I, I was one of those. I never post on message boards, but I'd like to go and read the message boards and see, okay, well, this, this player here is going to sign here, and this player here is going to sign here, and kind of the same thing. It's kind of when your coach gets fired, it's kind of fun to go read the gospel, but okay, well, who's going to go coach this guy and the coaching church and all that? But, but, but the recruiting was always fun to me. When I was in Ripley, which is close to Oxford, I'd go down to Ole Miss to the signing party, and they've changed a lot of how that up. They've changed how recruiting works and the commitment day, but they used to have a really big day, I think it was in February, where all the players would commit. And, you know, you'd, you'd get up early and you'd get on the internet and you'd see where people were going and they'd fax in their commitments. But uh, the really, really, really good players, they still do this some, but they would announce where they were going on TV. You know, they, 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 would, they would have a table in front of them and they had the same ritual. And some, like if they're a really great national player, they would have it on ESPN or the national networks. But I, I've seen a couple places where we've been in ministry or the best player in the town, he would commit on the Meridian News Station, or he'd commit on the Tupelo News Station, and they'd all be in their high school gym, and, and, the, and, and the fans would all pack into the gym, and the players, and the, and the parents, and the, the player would sit down at a table, and normally they'd have three hats in front of them. They'd have three hats in front of them, and they would say, you know, they'd pick up a hat and say, I'm going to play for this school. And one of my favorite commitment scenes ever was, um, there was a, a running back Ole Miss sign years ago, and he did the thing. He sat down at the table, and he had an Ole Miss hat, an Alabama hat, and a state hat. And he picked the Ole Miss hat up and said, I'm going to play for the University of Ole Miss and put the hat on his head. So, you know, I don't guess everything gets communicated. But it was always funny and fun to watch that, the rituals of that. And, but that got me thinking about commitment. Now, these players, they sign a commitment to the university. They're going to go and play football there or play basketball or baseball or, or academic scholarships. They're going to make that commitment to, to, uh, to the school. And that got me thinking about commitment. And have we ever made a commitment? Well, yeah, if you've ever bought a house, you know, you spend, you, you spend a few days getting your hand warmed up because you're fixed to sign for the next four hours. You know, you bought a car and got a loan. You made a commitment. If you've ever followed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you made a commitment. Commitment's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. We've talked about commitment in these last few weeks here in the church. And I really like the way Jay, in his talk this morning, clarified it. Because it's so easy. It's so easy when we think of commitment to think of the financial part. of it. Because, yes, you are going to be, you know, hopefully you'll be putting, a, putting a, um, a, a card on the altar today. The church... A lot of doubt does need your financial commitment because it helps us budget. But it's more than just that. It's about the commitment we, fake, we, we make to follow Jesus, to commit our lives to his kingdom and commit our lives to giving ourselves away for his kingdom. It, it's about making Jesus Lord of our life. And we have to understand that, that that's greater than just emotion, um, it's, it's think, think of a marriage. Think of a friendship. If you're married, there are times that you don't feel warm and fuzzy feelings towards your spouse. And if murder were legal, I'm not saying you'd do it, but you'd think about it. And you don't because you made a commitment. The commitment isn't just the emotion because the emotion wears off quickly. I tell every young married couple that I counsel with them, I say, in six months from now, the news is going to wear off. 
You're going to look over your spouse and think, oh my gosh, we're stuck together. What do we do now? The new always wears off. And that's when the commitment takes place. That's how it is with faith. You come to church, you probably go to another church, you hear a good sermon, and then you come here and hear good music. But you you feel it. You know, you feel the spirit. You feel the desire. You feel the commitment. And then you commit. And you're on the mountain for a little bit. But then you got to come back down. And then life gets back to normal. And then the new wears off. The new always wears off, y'all. And that's when the commitment takes place. It's in the day-to-day, and in the mundane, and in the everyday. And so, yes, we talk about our financial stewardship here, but, but it's more than that. It is, our, it is the stewardship of all of our lives. I love the analogy Jay gave today about working out. You know, about working out. I, 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 um, I think, uh, you know, you talk to any, any nutrition expert or any dietitian, they're going to say the key to losing weight is going to be exercise and, and eating right. You know, you need to do both. You, you, if, you do, if you exercise but go eat cheeseburgers every day, it's probably not going to work out right for you to lose weight. And likewise, if you stop eating cheeseburgers but don't exercise, it's probably not going to work out for you. You've got to do both. You've got to do both. You know, the way to keep your weight under control is to work out and to, and to eat right. You know, within church, um, one of the things, you know, as a preacher, we hear when people leave the church, they're like, well, I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed. And so one of the things I try to do as a pastor is make sure that I use everything at my disposal to help feed my people. You know, uh, through Rooted in Christ each morning, through worship, through online stuff, through Facebook, through every, every tool at my disposal, I'm going to use that in some way to help feed my people. You know, that's just my responsibility as a shepherd. But I think there comes a challenge to our faith. Just like in our health, if all we do is eat but never exercise, we'll become obese. In our faith, I think sometimes we risk spiritual obesity. Or if all we do is feed and feed and feed and feed and consume and consume and consume and consume, then our faith will get out of whack. And they will not be spiritually healthy. In the same way that an individual in their physical health must both eat right and exercise, our spiritual health is the same way. If all we're doing is consuming our faith, but never exercising our faith, then our faith will never be really healthy. It's, it's the same concept. So our stewardship in many ways is in our, and God calling us to good stewardship is in many ways about God forcing us to be blessed. One of my favorite Things I've ever seen in my life was an internet picture. I don't know if you, I, mean, I think I've talked about it before. An internet picture where this mom put her two kids in what was called a get-along shirt. Have you ever seen the get-along shirt? It was two little kids. Um, they looked like they were under five, who, I mean, I guess were fussing with each other because that's what, brothers, that's what brothers do is they fuss. So what mama did is mama went to the store and got a T-shirt that was like a, a 5X T-shirt where she could put both of them in the T-shirt, had both, both their heads sticking out of the shirt, is called our get-along shirt. So they weren't getting along, she put them in the get-along shirt. And they had to wear the get-along shirt so they got along with each other. That's forced getting alongness. That's what stewardship is. In many ways, stewardship is God forcing us to be blessed. Stewardship is God forcing us to be blessed because when God asks us to do things like tithe, or like serve, or like give, or like witness, or like keep our commitments. I don't necessarily want to at first. 
I really don't. I'd rather keep my money for myself, not realizing it's God's money to begin with. I'd rather be slothful in my faith. I'd rather do these things because it seems easier, doesn't it? But then what happens is you don't find the contentment. You don't find the contentment. You don't find the life. You don't find the peace. You don't find the joy. You don't find the purpose. God's ask of us for stewardship and commitment is in many ways God's good long shirt. It's God's way of making us experience blessing. It's God's way of making us experience life. It's God's way of, ex- of making us experience peace. It's God's way of making us experience abundant life. When we live into these things that we know we're supposed to, we actually experience life change. We actually experience health. We actually experience peace. We actually experience contentment. Because, y'all, the path to peace is never found through consumption and selfishness. The pathway to peace, the pathway to purpose, the pathway to life is never found for living only for yourself. It's never found that way. Living only for yourself, living only for your wants, your desires, your stuff is never, ever, ever the path of peace and is never, ever the path of God. So in many ways, our stewardship season is about God making us think about how do we want to be blessed by him. And I'm not saying you're going to, I'm not saying this is some kind of you tithe and God's going to be, you know, that you're going to get to be a millionaire. I'm not saying that at all. Far from it. What I am saying is you're going to find that when you tithe, that money isn't as big a deal as you think it is. Because when you give it away, it loses its power over you. When you, re, when you let God orient your schedule, you're going to find that maybe we're scheduling our things the wrong way. And there's actually some, a better way to use our time. Whenever we, we commit to serving, we're going to find that through serving others and through giving our life away is a much better way to live than the way we do it now. God's ask of commitment and stewardship is God's ask of making us be blessed. It's God's way of really forcing us to experience blessing and peace and joy and contentment. I was talking, uh, as my kids have gotten older, I don't, um, I don't talk about my kids much in my sermons anymore. You know, I just, I just, I just you know, when they were a little bitty and weren't aware I was doing it, I talked about them a lot. But ever, ever since they've gotten old enough to really pay attention, I, I, don't, I don't talk a lot about them. Or if I do, I'm going to ask their permission before I, I share it. But uh, I was talking to one of my kids the other day about church. And just, I, I, I was encouraging them to, you know, always be active in church. You know, and what a blessing church has been to me and my, to Holly. And I told her, I told him, I said, um, I said, um, I would be as active in church if I wasn't a preacher as I am right now. If I wasn't a preacher, I'd still be here every Sunday. If I wasn't a preacher, I'd still tithe. If I wasn't a preacher, I'd still teach Sunday school like I do now. If I wasn't a preacher, I'd still be willing to teach Bible study. I'd still be willing to serve homebound communion. I'd still be willing to do whatever my church needed me to do. Because for me, for Andy Stoddard, not Andy Stoddard the preacher, let's take the preacher out of it. For Andy Stoddard the Christian, I found that by being faithful with my prayers, with my presence, with my gifts, with my service, and with my witness is the best life that I can live. Not just for the kingdom, but for me. Because when I'm faithful, when I give, when I serve, When I lay down my life 
for the kingdom of God, I find so much more life there than anything I could ever find in the world. Anything. Better than any ball game, better than any concert, better than any event, better than anything when I lay down my life for the kingdom. And so I think what God calls us to quite often is what we see today in the story here, Joshua. This is a, it's a great story. It's one of, you know, it's, it's funny if you read the story, because, you know, how many of us have been in somebody's house and seen that verse? Um, As for me, my house will serve the Lord. You may even have that little placard in your house. But you know, what's really interesting is when Joshua does it, he says, you know, choose you who you're going to serve. You can serve the Amorites, the gods, the gods of the Amorites, the people whose land you're going to have. Or you can serve the gods you served back in Egypt. Choose. He said, but after me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the people say, we're going to serve the Lord. He said, no, you're not. <laughs> that always funny. He said, you can't serve the Lord. What are you talking about? He does that because he wants them to think about their commitment. Remember I said earlier about emotion? Joshua's not wanting them to commit to God because they like the sermon. Joshua's wanting them to commit to God because they mean it. Because they mean it. So he says, no, you can't serve the Lord because he's a holy God. He's a just God. And he will punish you if you betray him. They said, no, we want to serve the Lord. So then Joshua puts a big rock out there and says, this rock is a witness. This rock will be a sign to you that you've committed. So let's commit to this. I love that scene. It's because it's, it's such the typical response is, we're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua would go, yay. But he says, no, you're not. <laughs> and that's also part of their culture. They like to, they, they basically got to make you agree two or three times or something before they really mean it. So he's like, he's got to kind of push them and say, oh, do you really mean it? So I love that scene. He says, let's make this, let's make this sign before God. Do you really mean it? You know, guys, I love that scene. Because they're fixing to enter into something new. They're, they're, uh, Joshua's fixing to die. This is the end of the chapter. They're, 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 gonna, they're now going to live into the land. They're getting their inheritances. They're going to they're live into the future. And it's fixing to start. And now Joshua's one of those last things as her leader says, okay, what will you do? What will you do? Will you commit? Will you commit to follow God? Will you commit to follow his laws, his precepts, his life? Will you commit to follow him? Or will you follow the gods of your neighbors? Follow the gods you used to worship? But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's a powerful witness, a powerful statement. It's one that I try to internalize. In the world we live in, where we see so much chaos, so much hatred, so much divisiveness, so much antagonism, so much slander, so much blah. It's so easy to give into it. Just as it had been very easy for the Israelites to worship the gods of the Amorites. Just like it would have been very easy for the Israelites to worship the gods they used to worship. Joshua says, no. You do what you want to do. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The people follow him. People follow him. And we have the same choices each day, y'all. We can choose to give into the divisiveness and the ugliness of this moment in our world. We can choose to be apathetic. We can choose to walk away. We have lots of choices each day. Every day. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to commit 
we're going to tithe, we're going to serve, we're going to do all that we can do to have the kingdom of God be found here in this place at St. Matthew's for the good of the world, for the hope of the kingdom. We're going to close with one of my favorite hymns, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I love that old hymn. It's one of my favorite old hymns in, in the church. And I, I've always, I, I like to use it at revivals. And I love the, the um, verse two. Though none will go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none will go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. I'm gonna commit in this year, to follow Jesus to the very best of my ability and through the grace that he gives me. With my prayers, my presence, my gifts, my service, and my witness. Will you join me? Let's pray.